Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Paul Pocky Podcast with Ray Ferraro. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. My name's Steve Mathis, and uh, it's hot as balls here in Vegas. But uh, the Vegas Golden Knights just uh, kicked it off with an expansion draft. Really exciting times, and we're going to get into that and more. PaulPocky.com website. Uh, get it on any kind of podcatcher, on iTunes, Stitcher, on the Droid platform, whatever you want. You can uh, easily get it, and uh, we're, we'll be expanding to more uh, avenues available on the show probably shortly here. And again, thanks for, for listening. Two under, the best men's underwear out there. The number two, UNDR. A lot of NHL players wear it, MLB players as well. And uh, use the code FERRARO20 to save at twounder.com. We appreciate you guys listening and the reviews and the feedback on uh, Twitter and everything else. And that's been going great. So we're going to keep doing this through next week, and then uh, we'll look at a revised uh, summer schedule. But uh, in the meantime, lots to talk about this week. With me on the line to wrap everything up, give us his concise opinion, former NHLer, TSN analyst, Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? How are you? Uh, I'm good. It's um, We're into our summer as well in Vancouver, and it is outstanding. We don't have the, the heat it's... or anything like you guys get. So we're at about, oh, I don't know, 20, 22 uh. or 23 Celsius, uh. which is... It's, right around you know seventy five ish. Yeah. It's just about perfect. Ray, and, it's so um, hot here. It's so hot here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, the best part about uh, following reporters on Twitter is as soon as they get to a place, the first thing they do is bitch and complain about the heat or the cold right. or the right. right because they just land and they're all mm-hmm. you know they're all thinking the same thing. Oh my God, this is yeah. brutal one way or the other and so it was like there was constant heat updates and uh i mean basically it does after a while and i mean you live there but after a while does it even matter no like 108 or 112 what the hell is the difference no no but i really have found myself lived here for 10 years now and i found myself uh adapted for sure you know but but that first heat wave and that's that was this week the first real 118 115 it hits you for sure. Now, is it hotter than it used to be, or just no, kind of the same? Same. It's the same. It's just yeah, hot. It's hot. Um, it's just hot. <laughs> Ray, what in the hell am I going to do with my wife? She okay. So obviously, I like the Leafs. I got her like. Well, I mean, that's up to you on yeah. many levels. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> she likes the Le- she liked the Leafs. I like. The- I got her into the Leafs, and we spent thousands of dollars going to Leaf games. Uh, usually, watching them getting blown out. Um, but dude, she is. She's all in on Vegas Golden Knights. She wants a jersey. She wants the white one. She's talking on Twitter about going to the games. She's saying, when, I said, hey, Leafs are in Vegas New Year's Eve. How cool is that going to be? And she yelled, go Knights. Like, what yeah, see, What the hell? That's awesome. No, it's that not. awesome. No. Well, okay, put it this way. This is, I think part of this happens in, how, in households anyway, is that if one person – is 
such a rabid fan of something. You either become the same team's fan mm-hmm. or you go polar opposite just because. Now, this is your hometown team, so I can see that she's into this. I fully support this. Oh, now, no. when, okay, like in my house, terrible. I'm, you know, we're we're rather big soccer fans. Mm-hmm. I like Lionel Messi. Okay, he's my guy. Yep. And so my kids, of course, they like Ronaldo. Now I don't know if they really like Ronaldo. <laughs> I, I know they do. They they think he's awesome. But I think they like cheering for him because I cheer for Messi. Right. Just because my brother, my older brother, he's a Yankees guy. I'm a Red Sox guy. Oh, wow. I didn't no know that. No chance we're yeah, yeah. cheering for the same thing. <laughs> no. No chance. And I certainly, I wasn't cheering for the Yankees. I can't stand them. Right. I, uh, I mean, I don't blame her in a sense because, as I said, like, I got her into the Leafs, you know, and she was all aboard. Geez, we've known each other forever. We've been married for 13 years or something. Um, she was all aboard during the Pat Quinn years, you know, going to the conference finals and, and beating the Senators and all that. But yep. it's been it's been bleak. I mean, we've we've flown... I think we counted one time out of 15 or 16 Leaf games that we've traveled to, they've won two or three. Um, so she's, Okay, but here's, know, here's yeah. another thing to think about. She somehow thought it was a good idea to marry you, right? Right. <laughs> she does not need to cheer for your team. <laughs> right. Well, actually, if you want to take that one step further, I was, uh, I was here on a work visa, and it got denied. And I was getting kicked out of the country. We were dating, and she married me so I could get the green card. So, like, she's already done me a pretty solid, right? I, I think I think you should buy her the jersey. Right. Just on the, right. the last 12 seconds of our conversation. But get her the white jersey. She's asking about the players. She loves the jersey. She's on, all on board. I mean, we have I a half season. the jerseys were awesome, by yeah, the way. I like them. Yep. I, I, I think they're, they look good. So I like them that they... I always worry when a team comes out with a new jersey that it's going to look cartoonish. <laughs> like like the Burger King, L.A. Kings? Uh, yeah, like yeah. something stupid right. like that. And and I just thought, like, I like them. They're clean, and they, they've got a really good look for them. Now, mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of them are all through the new uh, deal with Adidas that does the... Uh, does the NHL jerseys, mm-hmm. and so in some cases, I think they're they're a little drab. Like the the Nashville jersey to me is boring, mm-hmm. but that was just one that I happened to see. But um, I I I like the clean look. I on on Vegas's jersey. I like the colors. I think they're they'll they'll stand out and they'll look good. And so I'm I'm pretty interested to see if they're going with white or with golden gloves or yeah. something. I, th- I right. think that will look pretty cool, too. Yep. The players will like that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, be, they'll stand out a little bit, huh? They'll like that. Yeah, like yeah. back when, you know, when I was still playing, like, you know, there wasn't a lot of color into gloves, and they kind of had to be – they were supposed to be uniform, right? Right. Part of the uniform. Well, if you look at my gloves in Atlanta, I had some – I had yellow and blue fingers and – Oh, I loved them, but they weren't like anybody else's on the team. <laughs> I don't even know how that was allowed, but right. anyway, nobody paid attention. Nobody paid attention to Thrashers. They're like, oh, whatever. <laughs> but damn, they look good. Um, yeah, she's. Uh, oh, by the way, people, we're gonna have Gary Lawless on uh, Vegas Golden Knights insider. He worked for the Winnipeg Free Press, I believe, my yeah. hometown, and then uh, NTSN, and then now he Ray in a in the. In the expanding media world, teams are, are bulking up with, you know, legitimate hockey writers and in, hockey insiders. Uh, Scott Burnside went to Dallas. 
um, to maintain the websites. And uh, yeah, it's it's really you know it's really interesting because of course websites are are pushing past newspapers as far as mm-hmm. you know what what people read and certainly what younger people read and um, and so having someone that is able to churn out articles, churn out opinion pieces, um, they're important now because you have to get whatever the heck it is you want to write about Mm -hmm. and about your team, you've got to get it out there. There's less and less places that it can be published that Mm -hmm. the masses will see it. Now, all this does gets done through NHL.com. They're trying to drive more traffic there. And someone like Gary, who's really talented at what he does, um, is a terrific hire for for a team. And Scott Burnside, of course, has been one of the best in covering our game for for a long, long time. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the um, one thing about living here in Vegas, um, the the not, the Golden Knights are not going. And we knew this anyways, but they are one hundred percent not going to flip uh, Mark Andre Fleury because he is everywhere. He has been everywhere in town, uh, doing everything the last three four days. They uh, they're gonna they're gonna make him the signature guy, and that's fine. That's cool. I, he seems like a good dude, and uh, he'll be good. Oh, uh, he's a well. You read anything about him mm-hmm. uh, from anybody, and they say he's the best teammate that that they've ever had. Um, you know, Malkin was uh, on his Twitter account and he had a, a, a flurry jersey and he had it for the nameplate, Sad Day. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, they, they loved the guy. And so there was, you know, we were told that there was, you know, at kind of around the finals that that uh, Flurry was going to be the guy and that he was not going to be flipped. And so, you know, I, I think for, for Mark andre to waived the no movement clause he wanted to be sure where he was going to end up because mm-hmm. if he didn't do that that was the last position he could control where he was going to go because if he just waived it and there was no pre-existing deal well vegas could have collected him as an asset and moved him to anywhere mm-hmm. and he would have no control over that and so this this way he was able to control his destination yep absolutely um so the expansion drafts happened. It's gone past, but I want to talk a little bit about the players left exposed that Vegas got to pick on, and 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 we'll touch on their philosophy in a little bit. And I got to admit, I was a little disappointed, but I'll, uh, for reasons I'll, I'll get into. Um, but number one, Ray. So late in your playing career, you probably would have been a prime guy to be on the unprotected list. Um, you you know, an expansion team is young. They're not going to pick a vet. They're not going to pick a guy who makes a lot of money relatively speaking, and, you know, that, that's just not going to be their philosophy. So we saw, like, Roberto Luongo, and we saw uh, some really good players left exposed that were not picked by Vegas. But let me ask you this, Ray, so get back into your playing days. Does this piss you off? Does, what does this do if you're a vet and you're, you, look, you wake up one morning and realize, like, you're probably not going to get picked, but uh, you could um, get picked by the expansion team. Like, how does this affect you and the, your standing in the organization and everything? Or does it? No, I don't think it really does. No? I mean, they, they make their decisions, and you, you know that, <clears throat> excuse me, by the time you're around for more than two days, you realize that teams are often and always going to protect their younger assets in front of an older one, unless you're a superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're, you know, you get to a certain point, and they're like, we've got to protect our 21 and 22 and 23-year-olds or 23, 24, 25-year-olds because the first-year guy, like if they're still in their entry-level contract, they, were, uh, they weren't eligible to be picked anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know, you know that, okay, I'm older, I'm 
you know, I'm, I am what I am, you know, by the time you're 27, 28, you're not, it's not like you're morphing in most cases into something completely different. And so you, you know that you're going to be protected or not be protected. There's very few guys that were probably surprised by this, Mm -hmm. you know, that they, they probably had a good idea when, once the focus shifted to who's going to be protected or who's not, um, guys have a pretty good idea whether they're, you know, whether they're going to be in the mix or not. And so you get protected or say you don't get protected, you don't get picked, nothing changes. You go back to camp. I mean, the the season starts. If you do get picked, um, you, 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 there's a point where you go, you know, like the romanticism of playing for the team that drafted you is, is long gone. (laughs) Right. All you want to do is play in the league. And so like when they say, you know, uh, you know, will he go to this team? Of course he will, because his option is to not, and then he's not playing in the NHL. Right. Like, you're going. You're, and you might not like it, but you quickly learn to like it, because that's your, that's your place. That's, your, that's where you're – you don't control where you go in most yeah. cases. So no, yeah, so no hard feelings. You're just like, okay, business, like whatever. Well, yeah, you like, have to. Yeah. You, I, but, again, but if you're 19 or 20 years old, you certainly don't think of it like that. Sure, yeah. You know, you think of it of, um, well, that sucks. I mean, they don't like me anymore. Like if you get traded, like some of these young guys get traded um, early in their career, and it's like, you know, it was devastating for me. I was 26 the first time I got traded, and it was devastating. But then you get there, and you're like, well, that's what we're doing. (laughs) That's where I got to go. I mean, it's like, too bad. I'm devastated, so I could – I could, you know, have the pouty lip on forever, mm-hmm. and then I get traded again, and then I'm out of the game, or I get, I get moving, and that's how you have to look at it. Okay, all right, yeah, uh, good, good, good thinking on that. Um, for the players that were exposed, uh, Bobby Ryan, uh, of course, Mark Mathot, who got picked, and will he get flipped? Do you think? I haven't heard. It seems like he might get. Well, picked. see, Mathot, uh, something came out today. Um, uh, today being Friday, mm-hmm. uh, Darren Drager had pointed out because people were starting to speculate, oh, maybe the Leafs would be interested or maybe Montreal. Um, Mathot has a 10-team no-trade, and the other teams in Canada are all on the no-trade. So he's not going there. Oh, he's from Ontario. He is. Pardon? Well, he's from Ontario. That's odd. He's not American. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I don't know, you know, don't really know. Mm -hmm. I mean, a guy picks his teams because he picks his teams. Who knows what the reasons are? Um, But he's... um, uh, to my understanding, is that um, he's not he can't be traded to Canada. Yeah, yeah. And Ottawa cannot reacquire him until January first. Oh, that was my next question. Good, good job on that. Um, so, of the players left exposed, uh, I sent you a text because uh, to me, uh, Peter Morazic was a guy. I'm like, what? Like Jimmy Howard is not going to get picked. Uh, he's got a big dollar deal. Um, older guy. And Morazic might, but then when you did, when I kind of did a deep dive into a couple articles I read about, you know, why and and it didn't, it, you know, Morazic didn't have as good as year as maybe I thought he had, you know. And um, mm-hmm. but anyways, uh, James Neal, Morazic, uh, Bobby Ryan, any surprises for you? Um, not not really. I would no. say Morazic would be the biggest one. Yeah. But this is what this is what people don't understand. I think they view themselves as actual GMs. Yes. And so, you know, there, there's a reason Ken Holland left Morazic off. 
And it was probably because in his discussions with other managers, he realizes which goalies are available. Mm -hmm. He also realizes that Vegas is not going to take $10 million in goalies and keep them because they already have Flurry. Yep. You know, Flurry's going there. So then he looks around and he says, okay, who's going to pay $4.5 million for Peter Morazic? If, if Vegas is going to trade Morazic, where are the markets that could use a goalie? Well, Arizona. But is Arizona going to pay $4.5 million? I mean, they're a debacle right now. They're an utter joke of a professional franchise. Yeah. At this point. We'll get into I mean, that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what the hell they're doing right, right now. I mean, you you might say, okay, it's time for Dave Tippett to go. Sure, that's fine. That's your prerogative. But they they just seem to be making it up as they go along. And in almost every case, without stable ownership, the team has no trouble, no chance. And in Phoenix, in Arizona, this has been a problem forever. Yeah. And so, how could it ever be stable? You know, when you, you know, I, I'm reading, you know, look, Nashville almost didn't make it. Yeah, because their ownership was a mess. And then finally, when it got stabilized, they were able to, because they had some money, to build a business plan, to to build an identity, to help connect back to the city. But if the owner's got no money, then they're just, they're going like paycheck to paycheck, basically. Mm-hmm. That's what Arizona's doing. And so back to back to the players. I'm not surprised they selected James Neal. I think he'll be a guy that um, once he, you know, they work through the summer and see, you know, he's got to get hand surgery. He played mm-hmm. with a fractured hand in the finals. Um, I could see them flipping him at some point, yep. but not necessarily. You know, I'm. I mean, why not? Why wouldn't you keep him? You still need somebody that can score. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby Ryan. They weren't touching that contract. It's. Six years, seven million left, I believe, on it. That's just, they're not. See, George McPhee has the benefit of they don't have any trash on their on their front porch Mm -hmm. right now. Why? Why bring contracts that make you have to work around them later later on in the term? He doesn't have to do that. There will be a time when he does. But right now, everything's fresh and clean. So why not keep it fresh and clean? None of the contracts are going to be four and five and six years long. I mean, yeah. the, I think the longest contract they have right now, to my knowledge, is Cody Eakin. Um, uh, what about Riley Smith? What's Riley Smith got? Smith's got, uh, he's done in 2021. Okay. Um, and, and the reason I know that is the last management group in Florida mm-hmm. signed seven players to extensions, all of them expiring in 2021. Oh, okay. Which is not great strategy. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. not for, for two reasons. One, that means you're married to this core of your team until 2021. The second part is they're all going to need new contracts at the same time. Yep. And that just doesn't make any sense. Yep. So anyway, Riley yep. Smith, go, I, I, Smith is probably... So what's it? So it'll be seventeen, eighteen, eighteen, nineteen, nineteen, twenty. 20. Yeah. So he's four years. Yeah. Eakin's four years. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably as far out as they go. And Eakin is twenty-five, probably going to be twenty-six this year. Mm-hmm. And I think Smith is a year older. Yeah. It. Uh, so anyway, so back to Mrazek. So yeah, basically Ken Holland has a has a handle on what's going to happen well, that's, before. That's what they're supposed yeah. to do, right? Yeah. Like I mean, like we sit there and. You know, and and some in the media look at them and they go, like, what is that guy doing? I often take the 
approach that these guys have a little more information than the general public. Yeah. They, they, you know, like, that's why they're in their jobs. Yeah. And, and so, you know, they're, they're constantly in contact with other managers and they have a, they have a better set sense of what the overall market is because it wasn't what Vegas wants. It's okay. If, Morazic gets picked by Vegas, where are the possible destinations for him to go? And if there aren't any, mm-hmm. then you don't have to worry about Vegas picking him because Vegas had already committed to Flurry, and yep. most everybody knew it. it. It's clear with Vegas picks. Now, had they said, hey, we're going for the playoffs, we're going to you know, win some games, we're going to put a great team on the ice, they could have made a lot of different and better picks and wisely, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, wisely, they laid off a lot of guys that could help them win games next year for building a so-so team. I mean, they're going to be bad, and that's what they had to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But, well, you know. But, but it's not even – because we're in you know, society that we're in, mm-hmm. everybody wants to know now what, what it looks like now and whether Vegas can compete for a playoff spot and – you know, I, I found so much of the stuff around the conversation around this whole expansion draft and process just like nonsensical. Like, do do people pay attention? Like, do they? And I'm talking about the media. Like, do they do they get what has to happen? Mm-hmm. You can't go and pick a bunch of players that make you a team that you know is going to be successful now because most of those players that will make you successful now have the types of contracts that you're going to have to deal with three and four years down the road. Why would Vegas do that to themselves? They won't. It makes no sense. That's number one. Number two is in the cap world, which we are now firmly in, it has become essential and obvious that you have to draft and draft well. Well, Vegas has 13 picks in this year's draft, and they have 11 in next year's draft. Like, George McPhee should take a chair and sit on the side of the stage <laughs> so he doesn't have to walk back and forth so much. Yep. Three picks in the first round, two picks in the second round. Like, this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. And there is, even though everybody today wants something yesterday, that doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Yep. It's different than than professional football when you draft a player and he's got to play now. They don't draft him for three years down the road. And in hockey, you're drafting and you're trying to put as many players into your, um, into your pipeline, into your tunnel of guys that are towards the NHL, towards pro hockey. And you put in enough year after year that maybe four out of the 12 hit. Well, that would be a great percentage. Mm-hmm. And then you move to the next year. So if they didn't acquire the picks, I guess is what I'm saying, Steve, you got seven chances to have a player. Yep. And now they got 12 and 13 in the first two years. I mean, like, that's an astounding haul. And I, I thought George McPhee did a, did a really good job. Sure, I know that many people wish that he would have picked a different team, but that's, yeah. that's just not – that's just not the way it was going to go down. And, and anyone that thought differently um, was probably barking up the wrong tree. I did think, though, Ray, there would be some more action, like Calgary needs a goalie, Winnipeg needs a goalie. 
I thought there'd be a little bit more uh, deals. And maybe they're still coming. You know what I mean? Like the, the trade freeze was yesterday or whatever, and today's the NHL draft, by the way, for people who want to want to know when we're recording this. Well, the draft, and, and, you know, the draft, Steve, is interesting because, you know, I, I think everybody was so rightfully so focused on what was going on at the expansion mm-hmm. table and, like, what, what the heck is going on? We've never seen this before. So everybody was, you know, knee-deep in that. And then... Now they can exhale and focus on the draft, and that's perhaps where you'll see some people traded for draft picks. Yeah. Because nobody was going to make a trade before the expansion draft because then they had to protect the guy. Yeah. And and everybody clearly had some – most teams had some sort of issue anyway with protecting the right number of players. Um. I felt like the Islanders in Columbus who gave, uh, uh, well, the Columbus gave the Golden Knights a David Clarkson contract and Islanders gave the, the Miguel Grabowski contract. I felt yeah. like they also gave them first-round picks. And, Ray, when I looked at, well, actually, I read it both ways, Ray. I read like a Florida got torched for giving up a couple of good young players that scored. And then I looked. I read that Islanders and Columbus got torched for giving up a first rounder to protect players that could score or or good young, gooder, good gooder, good job, gooder, uh, gooder is a good word, um, good young players. So I read both ways. And to me, though, I agree on the because because I'm of the, of the opinion like no matter what kind of team you are, if you're Florida, you're not that good. Someone has to score the goals. Hanth, uh, Jonathan Mar Marceau. Um, and Riley Smith. Yeah, but Marcia, so here's the thing, though. So Florida gets into a protection problem, and somebody had to be unprotected. Yeah, but I I would give away the player ahead of giving away a first round draft pick like Columbus and Islanders, in my opinion. Don't. So you would give away Marcia so before a first round pick? Yes, yes, is I what would. you're saying. Yes, like I would. in that scenario, right? Yeah, I would. Well, again, Florida. Florida has to make that decision, but you to give away a first round pick, you have to you have to have a deeper view of what they have in the organization. And as I understand Florida, outside of the NHL where they've got a lot of young players that have um, because of where they drafted, you know, were drafting at the very top and they got you know, they got a Barkoff, they got a Neckblad, they got mm-hmm. a Uberdo. Mm-hmm. Um they got a Bugstad. None of those players were going to be unprotected. Um, but by bringing those guys in early, you don't have much of a pipeline. So maybe that first-round pick is more valuable to them than a player in Marcheseau who was a, a fabulous smash of a free agent signing yeah, last year. he was. I never heard you of know, him. So, <laughs> and, and so I think, you know, it, again, I'm, you know, I mean, maybe this is – I, I'm not trying to kick everybody in the shins here that reports this <laughs> stuff, but they're saying 30-goal scorer Jonathan Marchessault. Yeah. You score 30 goals once, doesn't make you a 30-goal scorer. Mm-hmm. I scored 40 goals twice. I was not a 40-goal scorer. I was, my career average was 27 goals. Mm-hmm. But I, just cause, you know, like if, if yeah. somebody, somebody expects that to be the norm, and the answer is, how do you know? Now, they can take a bid on it, like, you know, you make a bet that, hey, I think he can score close to 30 goals. But we don't know. He doesn't have a track record like James Neal scored 20 goals every year of his career. Right. You, can, you can go to bed and wake up and probably be pretty comfortable that James Neal's going to get plus 20 goals. 
So the you know these play, these managers are trying to protect what they have. They're trying to weigh. Okay, if I trade a first round pick, what do I have in my pipeline coming behind it? Um, you know, Columbus has. Uh, you know, they're trying to protect Josh Anderson, who was a first rounder of theirs a couple of years ago, and so now they. They look in their pipeline. They have Sonny Milano, who was a first-rounder a couple years ago. He's playing in, in the American League. Um, they drafted uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois mm-hmm. last year at number three. He's, you know, He's coming. by theory right. should yep. be ready in the next year or two. And so they might say we have enough in our pipeline right now and we can afford this first-round pick as opposed to a player that they didn't really want to lose. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, you know what? I don't think there's any right or wrong. I don't wrong. think yeah. we can right. know right or wrong yet. What we're gonna, what's going to be really interesting is checking back on this in January mm-hmm. and going, oh, which team really misses somebody they lost in the expansion draft? Because in Ottawa, for example, people are all up in arms about Mark Mathot, and he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. I like Mathot a lot, but they have two young defensemen in Frederick Clayson and Ben Harper, and. While they're probably not well known at all, I did 25 games this year, and I think they're really good young players. Now, if Mathot is 100%, can these guys be 75% of Mathot? And if they are, they're probably going to be all right. Yep. If they're 45% of Mathot, then they're in real trouble. But you, you know, they they got stuck. They yeah. they had their top four, and Fanoff didn't waive his no trade. Had he waived his no trade, I don't think he would have been selected. No, I don't think he would have been picked. I don't, I, um, not looking but, at the players that went. Yeah, But, again, behind the scenes, his agent, mm-hmm. as soon as they get asked, will you waive the no trade? I mean, that's not one call to Dion. They have a 10-second conversation, yeah. and he calls them back. What he does is he starts calling around the league and trying to put together what the protected lists look like, trying to put together what Vegas might select probably calling George McPhee and saying, if he waves, um, what are you guys going to do with him? And maybe as he, you know, and yeah. of course now you're playing BS poker because, yeah. you know, like nobody's George really is like, well, that, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, so he's got to try and build a bigger story and then come back and they decided, no, I, I want to stay in Ottawa. And so that, at the end of the day, that did cost him a thought, but is that, Really, Dion's fault? It's not. Nope, not at all. Like we talked about last week. All right, Ray, let's uh, let's get Gary Lawless in here, Vegas Golden Knight insider. All right, on the line uh, from Chicago, where the NHL draft is taking place, on the uh, Paul Pocky podcast show with the uh, great Ray Ferraro, is a Vegas Golden Knight insider, Gary Lawless. What's up, Gary? How are you? Thank you for coming on. Yeah, great. I'm uh, I'm thrilled to join you guys. I've been uh, a, a long time listener, first time guest. So uh, this is cool for me. <laughs> right on. Good to hear. Hey, I'm interested. Before Ray gets into some you know serious hockey talk, look, I'm from Winnipeg. Uh, li- haven't lived there for about 20 years, but born and raised for 20 years there. And uh, uh, you're from Winnipeg, and you've got a job with the Golden Knights as their uh, their insider uh, media relations got like working on the website and things like that, breaking stories. I'm interested. Like, how did that come about? I've always I've been reading you for years. Uh, which online subscription, Winnipeg uh, Free Press. Uh, what what made you make this huge jump for for you and your family? Ray pushed me out at TSN. I didn't have any choice. It was either uh, either move to Vegas or uh, or not have a job. So you, no, uh, I got to know George McPhee over the years, and 
uh, Kelly McCrimmon, who is uh, our assistant GM and 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 George's right hand man, um, I know very very well. Uh, they approached me and you know kind of mm-hmm. you know kicked kicked my tires and sort of said, "What do you think about this?" And uh, at first. You know, it was not really on my radar at all. Uh, TSN was a great place to work. And, um, you know, just as time went on, it uh, it became more and more interesting. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the day, I think it was the day before or the day after my my position was announced, uh, ESPN laid off 100 people, including uh, almost all of their hockey department. Yeah. And all of their hockey department is gone now uh, with Craig Custance leaving. So, um you know, it just uh, this is the way the business is going, and uh, this was a really great opportunity with really great people, and uh, it's uh, so far it's been everything that I expected. So uh, I'm 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 thrilled with the move. See, I would have thought that uh, Jeff O'Neill would have got you canned for the Line A Austin Matthews conversation that you guys had. Well, I was right; they were wrong. So I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ray, is there a is there a bigger move than Vegas to Winnipeg? Is there? Is well, there... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. Well, certainly temperature wise, right? Like, just think, everything that Gary had is now not of any service to him (laughs) in in Vegas. Your winter coats, stick them in the closet in case you go back for a visit. You know, like, now you need bathing suits and shorts and... Flip-flops every day. I wear flip-flops every day. I'm not kidding. It's great. (laughs) Now, Gary, what's the the workload been like for everybody involved in this, what seemed like a speeding locomotive over the last few weeks? Yeah, it's been... uh wild how how fast and how much we've been getting done at, at uh you know I arrived there and it was you know you would see George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon kind of coming in and out and Misha Donskoff was there and doing his thing and then bang uh, about 3 days before the roster freeze and the and the and the protection protected lists arriving our entire hockey operations staff arrived mm-hmm. Von Karp and Kelly Kissio, Jim McKenzie, David Conti, just uh you know and Mike Felino uh, on and on and on and this war room that they put together uh it was fascinating uh, i got to walk in and out of it a few times and you know there were screens all over the place and it, 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 you know they they would bring they would put a player uh up on the up on the whiteboard and they would have you know a screen with his statistics a screen with his contract history uh they'd have a screen playing his shifts um they had some uh, proprietary uh information that they had, that they had collected and it just you know it, they were so prepared and and George McPhee had this he right from the very beginning he split it in half he gave half the teams to Kelly McCrimmon and half the teams to himself and they worked like co-general managers throughout this process i don't know if it'll be like that forever mm-hmm. I, I, you know it'll be it, it will be one and one a far more than one and one and two and uh kelly is uh is a is a gifted and accomplished guy and uh it just you know i, I think george couldn't be happier about making that hire it has worked out very well for him and they would uh so they put a player up there they talk about him for a while and then uh whoever team that player was on 
whosever team, if it was George's team, he'd get up and go and call their GM, or if it was Kelly's team, he'd get up and go call their GM, and they would feel feel them out and sort of say, you know, do you want to lose this player? Do you want to protect this player? What can we do? You know, and they try and 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 that is what that process resulted in the key to all of this, which is all the draft picks which they have acquired. You know what's really interesting about that, Gary, for me is you know Steve and I were talking a little earlier about you know media and fans that aren't in the know. They make these judgments because we want everything today, and they say, oh, you know, what's this general manager doing? What's you know, how could he leave that player unprotected? I don't think they quite understand the level of prep that you just laid out. I mean, I'm I'm thinking that's really, really cool, the amount of information they were able to pick up on every player. I played on an expansion team. I'm almost certain we didn't have that type of access. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, it's a uh, – like people would say, why would they claim him? Well, everything had it. There was mm-hmm. – you know, it was never just – like they didn't claim Chris Thorburn for Winnipeg just for the sake of claiming Chris, not that he's not a good player, but it's you know they they there were draft picks involved. They got Winnipeg's, Winnipeg's third round draft pick this year, and they also got uh, they flipped from they had Columbus's pick, which was twenty fourth, and Winnipeg's was thirteenth. Uh, they flipped those picks, so now all of a sudden Winnipeg now all of a sudden Vegas has six. 13, 15, and and an extra pick in the third, and that means you don't get Toby Enstrom or who's going to be a UFA at the end of this year, or Marco Dano, who is, you know, we're not really sure what, exactly mm-hmm. what he is anyways. So, it, it, listen, George, is, George, had, George and Kelly had very clear priorities. Try and be competitive right away, but load up on the draft picks, which is, as we know, the only way to win a Stanley Cup. So when when you got to Vegas, have you um, did you have any inclination about what this process was going to look like as far as you know in the building the other night or the um, the way that the team's been received already or the way that they've you know tried to get Flurry out right away and talking to a bunch of different people and groups like did you have any sense of that? Or was is this all been new for everybody as they see it unhappen? Or oh no, no. This organization, uh, everything is planned, and it, like you know, has, with the exception of me, everybody that they hired was just like top level. <laughs> right. Like Eric, Eric Tosi, who they they brought in from the Boston Bruins, who was our VP of of communications and content, is this brilliant young guy who's got great organizational skills. He's 35. He's already a leader. He he put he's assembled the team, uh, and you know, given people the opportunity to you know to, to roll with it, and uh, and he's he's there to guide. But like you know, everything is planned out uh, um, weeks in advance. They, they, this just been has been a um, it's been like a training camp, uh, guys, where you know you block out every hour. Uh, this is what you know we're gonna do. Uh, we're going to do power play here. Mm-hmm. We're going to do conditioning here. We're going to do PK there. It's all blocked out, and it's blocked out across the organization. It has been um, – they're not fooling around. <laughs> uh, that is the best way to put it. They, uh, they they have a whole bunch of goals that they want to achieve. They, they, they distilled those goals, and then they – 
you know, put plans in place. It's like it's a, a massive organizational chart, and it's uh, and it's working. Now, when when I got to Atlanta, um, when when we got to training camp time, like the practice rink was almost finished. You know, like they they got to a point where you just run out of time. Yep. Like, what, what where will Vegas be in in that sort of? Scenario, like is the practice rink going to be ready? Is the are all the locker rooms ready? Um, like literally the first day of of the season, we were we walked out after the morning skate, and there was water pouring down the steps at Phillips Arena, <laughs> and the workers were there with blueprints looking for the shutoff. Yeah, well, okay, like, so uh, you, you've already seen T-Mobile host. Uh, uh, host hockey, right? They yeah. had a, they yeah. had preseason games there last year. It is state of the art. It's one of the nicest buildings in the National Hockey League. It's right up there with uh, with the very best, and and it's you know it's on the Strip in Las Vegas. So there is uh, um, there's lots of things to do before and after a game. They got that part of it down cold, as good as anybody in the NHL, and. You might argue that Las Vegas is the best place in the NHL to go see a game when you put when you incorporate everything now, weather, um, you know, surrounding activity, and the arena. It's got it, it ticks off every box. Uh, you know, if, if they play on a Saturday afternoon, you could probably catch Celine Dion or uh, you know, or like you know, you just drive down the strip and it's Daryl Hall and John Oates or or Tracy Morgan or but just on and on and on. And there's all of these things that you know, we're not looking to try and st- to take away from that. The organization wants to enhance it and be part of it. So that part of it is great. The practice facility, Murray Craven, who uh, you know very well, Ray, has yeah, been in charge of that. Uh, they're putting ice. In um, in uh, in a couple of weeks, I just did, I did a video with Murray a little while ago, and it's uh, you know it's drywall and uh, mm-hmm. and dust, and the, the the finishing touches all have to take place. But uh, that's what they're on. They expect it to open in in August, and uh, certainly will be ready. Uh, you know, more than ready for for training camp. That's the uh, that's the goal, and that's and they're on track for that. Uh, I see Murray every day, and he's not. Uh, well, he's not the type to fluster, anyways. But uh, he's uh, he's a driven guy, and uh, and and looks like he's succeeding. It is amazing, just in this you know ten minutes we've had you here, how many loose ends have to be put together to just get to the starting line. Yep. Like it, it, it must it must feel almost overwhelming at times to to. You know, for whoever built the original first plan, to just do to, it, right. oh yeah, and then we need this, and then we got to do this, and then, you know, somebody's putting together the travel schedule, somebody's building the, the team schedule, somebody, you know, which is now out. Somebody had to, you know, put together the charter flights, the the food, the hotels, the, like yeah. department to department. They've got nothing built yet. It, it must yeah, be except staggering. that. Except they went and got great people, right? They went and got sure. uh, yeah. uh, Rick uh, Bronco from uh, from Arizona to do to do team services. You know, they got Murray Craven, who has uh, you know who has a background in building. His, you know, he grew up in a family that built. He he retired. He had his own contracting business, and he's a hockey guy and understands what hockey players want. So he's been in charge of of the practice facility. They hired two GMs. They hired George McPhee, and then he hired Kelly McCrimmon, and then they got people like like Von Karp, and uh, and uh, you know it just 
really experienced people. They went and got Gerard Gallant, a guy who's coached in a bunch of places and has been in expansion cities and, and understand, like, you know, lots of coaches would be impatient. You know, Gerard Turk's been through this. He knows he was in Columbus. He knows what it's like to go through, uh, to, you know, some days what you want isn't there at mm-hmm. nine in the morning. It gets there by three in the afternoon or by nine the next morning. You just got to take, uh, you, you just got to, you know, just got to take a breath once in a while. And then the owner is, uh, um, you know, the, the key to the, the key to an expansion franchise is is a good market, you know, a fan base that is going to be enthused. But you need a legit owner. You need a guy that understands he's got to write checks and he's got to have the resources and the and the deep pockets to keep writing checks. And uh, and that's Bill Foley. He is, uh, um, you know, he's. A, a massively successful businessman. He's this is this has become his next passion, and uh, he under, He's involved, but he lets people do their jobs, and that's the that's the that's the greatest sign of leadership, from my perspective and in, and in my experience. And uh, and that's Bill Foley. I uh, I've been to a couple of press conferences, Gary, before you were there when George got hired, and then uh, also when the when the team was announced and. So I was around Bill a little bit in these scrums, uh, hanging out, just kind of checking things out. Uh, you know, he's super loaded because that's what he, you know, what he paid for the team and in his successful businesses. But he seems like a really casual guy, like a real normal, down to earth dude. I mean, again, my limited exposure, but I was pretty surprised. It was not, it wasn't a stuck up little bit of uh, you know, super wealthy businessman that some people would have. Guy seems so one cool. of the, one of the key things and about my job is to be able to tell the story of this organization from inside, and so I've, I've been given a lot of access. And the other night, I was uh, the awards, the NHL awards were over, mm-hmm. and then we had a Q and A Q&A with the players that were in town, um, you know, on stage in front of ten thousand people, and then we took the players back to the dressing room. And uh, they're standing around and uh, um, you know just discussing the next moment, and they're still they're they're still wearing mm-hmm. their their Vegas Golden Knights jerseys. And Foley, Bill Foley walks in with a with a, an old West Point, West Point classmate of of his own, of his, to, and he's giving him a tour of uh, of the team facility at T-Mobile. And he stops and he sees the guys and uh, and shakes all their hands and and says you know da 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 welcome and you know a few things that I'm going to save for for a column later. But as he's walking away, he turns back and he looks at them and says, "What you see is what you get, guys." And uh, and that's the truth. That's uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know he 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 wants to win. He he did say to them, "See that spot there? That's for the Stanley Cup." Oh you boy, uh, <laughs> he's not. Uh, it's he's, he's not half in, and he's not guessing about this, and he's not afraid to talk about his goals. He, uh, he you know, he's, he's put them out there, and he wants to achieve them. And you know, we'll find out that the process is, sure. is in place. We'll find out about the substance. But this is, um, you know, uh, uh, he, you know, the other side of his business is involved in the hockey business, and these are people that have been with him for twenty, thirty years. Like he's, you know, he's cultivated. He's cultivated loyalty, and you talk to these to, to these these Bill Foley lifers, and they all say the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. Working for Bill is the greatest greatest thing to do, and it's uh, very it's very interesting to see him interact with uh, with with all his people. First time I met him, I called him Mister Foley right away. Like he didn't you know he didn't take him a, a a second. He said it's Bill. We go by first names. 
it's just uh, it's refreshing. He's a, he's, a, he's a neat neat individual. Yeah, definitely. Anything else, Ray? No, I think uh, I think we should let Gary get to uh, get to it today. I mean, the the draft today and the. Um, it's not like the, it's not like anything's slowing down for agencies around the corner, and eventually, are you in your house yet? Uh, my wife and daughter, my wife, my poor wife. That we've had two <laughs> moves in my, in our in our in our time together. We moved from one house in Winnipeg to another. I got up that morning. It was the middle of February. I flew to Miami for the Super Bowl. Left her to, to organize <laughs> the move by herself. And uh, and then today she is uh, the movers are at her house today in Winnipeg, packing it up. And I'm uh, I'm in Chicago. And uh, they, my my wife and daughter fly out on Monday. Uh, we're going to spend uh, another week. Uh, at a, at a hotel, and then uh, we get our house on July one. And yes, Ray, it is on a golf course. At a boy, I would be disappointed. And you know, props to your wife for. Uh, in most cases, that happens to in this business, doesn't it? We us donkeys move on to whatever the job is, and mm-hmm. somebody's cleaning up the mess behind you. So <laughs> I hope to be honest, it was great, Gary. It, to be honest with you, if we were there, we'd just be in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. No, are I you? Think, uh, you're I think out, we're all clear on that. You're out by Summerlin, Gary. I would assume by the. Yeah, I'm in strength. Summerlin. Yeah. Uh, I'm. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm in Summerlin, and uh, uh, it's you know George McPhee early on in the process said to me, he said, he said this is a really easy place to live, and I've started to figure that out. When yeah. you're in Summerlin, there's no there's there's no traffic. Everything is there. It's clean. It's new. Um, you know, listen. I, I live in Winnipeg, which is a very old city, and it's got a, it's got a lot of character and a lot of soul. Uh, and uh, you know, you, but you can get that. You can go downtown, and there's, there's all of those things in in mm-hmm. Vegas as well. So it's, uh, it's 15 minutes away from the the greatest sports, hospitality, enter, entertainment district in the world. But then you get out there, yeah. It's it's another world. It's like uh, like Scottsdale or Palm Springs. Or, or any other uh, a community of, of that sort. So, uh, I'm excited to uh, to get my family out there and to to begin this adventure. Yeah. I've I, I've begun it, but I need them to help me out. I'm not <laughs> I'm not any good without them. I always tell people it's it's kind of just like suburbia out here in Vegas, except the slot machines in the grocery stores. Like yeah, that's a little weird, but um, yeah. other than that, you know, and then also too, Gary, when I have numerous uh, visitors, which you know, you will you will also have numerous visitors because. People will find time to come to Vegas, and they will want a room to stay in. Um, trust me on that. Uh, you can tell them, like, yeah, the 215, it's just like the perimeter highway, That's w- which is my move. Uh, or the, the ring road in uh, in Regina or uh, right. you know, where, wherever yeah. you go. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not like the 401 in Toronto. Right, right. Uh, before we let you go, Gary, uh, Blue Bombers, Grey Cup, perhaps, building? What are we thinking? Well, I, 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 love, I love the... I love the organization they've put together. Um, uh, Kyle Walters is a really good GM. Uh, Wade Miller is a guy who's a football guy, but knows that if you're not in the film room every day watching every every you know every piece of film, then you're really out of touch, and you really you can't get involved in that. So he doesn't. He runs the business. He asks the right questions of Kyle Walters and, and his crew when when they need to be asked. But other than that, he lets them do their stuff. And I think Mike O'Shea is going to be one of the next great coaches in the CFL. He uh, he has the ability to demand accountability, and he but to, to have the players know that he respects them, that he understands what they're going through, and that he has their back. And it's uh, that's that's the, the like the players' coach. That's the new breed.
greed of that, right? You still, right. you know, you, you have to demand accountability. You have to play. You have to win. Um, uh, O'Shea has uh, has made me promise that. So uh, now that I don't work for TSN and I'm officially out of the out of the CFL, I told I have selected the Blue Bombers as my team. I'm 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 openly cheering for yes. them. Yes. And O'Shea has made me promise if they make the Great Cup that uh, that I'll make the trip and, uh, and and be in Ottawa for the game. So uh, hey, I think that'd be great. Yeah. Ray, any BC Lion questions? No, none. <laughs> not, not because, at all. <laughs> because I, no, because I, I, don't, I don't generally catch it until, like, August. That's kind of when I, uh-huh. I pick it up. And yeah, then that's I, good. Then. Yep, that's a good plan. I, I like it all year. I, yeah, you know, me too. I, mean, like, I, I, actually, I, I need a break, though. I'm, I'm done. Like, for the next month, I'm with the kids. I'm, I watch my Red Sox, but that's, that's about it. I can't, I can't be overloaded. <laughs> I'm just, I want to get to the golf for you guys, uh, Big Pappy is getting his, uh, they're, oh. they're, they're retiring his jersey? Well, they should retire it and make him come back for <laughs> 70 games because he could still hit. I would love it. Yeah, he can still he can um, still uh, still put it in play for sure. All right, well, hey Gary, thanks for your time. Enjoy the draft. Thank you again for coming on the Pulp Hockey Podcast with uh, Ray Ferraro. If Kelly McCrimmon wants any, you know, Brandon Wheat Kings uh, talk, tell him to uh, call call up podcast him and Ray can uh, talk about the Brandon. We can Wheat talk Kings. about the Kings. Yep. But Ryan Craig uh, is uh, obviously another connection here to, yep. to the Wheat Kings and uh, uh, Craig Heisinger, who works for the Winnipeg Jets and and follows that league uh, extensively. Uh, when we hired him, he phoned me and said uh, he said, and he, and he throws uh, compliments around like uh, like Ray does tips. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He said, "This is my my all time favorite player in the Western Hockey League. He was captain of captain of four teams as a pro, and and the Wheat Kings uh, when he was there as well. Uh, I think it's a it's a great hire. We do have to hire one more assistant coach. Be interesting to see Ray? who uh, who Turk finds. Ray? No, Ray? no, no. Ray? This is uh, I'm I'm comfortable doing right. Ray's retired. <laughs> he, he's on the pleasure cruise, except for the oh fact yeah, this is quite a Miller's pleasure cruise. Gary, Gary, every single time." I ask for questions on our Twitter account. It's Ray. When will you get into, uh, you know, a team, whether it's a management or coaching or anything? Every single time, Ray. Gets yeah, into. those. Uh, I I would be taking. Uh, I, I would be taking a solid boot to the rear end from my lovely wife if I jumped into that <laughs> swamp. So, Listen, I, I'm already up to my ears. It's time to time to do what I do. Let the let the pros do what they do. The the other part of it is is, and I say this. Uh, um, with uh, with no hesitation, he's the best analyst in the game, like hands down, the number uh, one analyst in stop hockey. Stop it! Don't no. Now so he's gonna. It, now he's listen. Great. It's the truth. Oh, if, if you're if you know hockey and you can, you got a chance to turn on a game. And Ray Ferraro is the guy talking about it. You watch that game. That's, that's the, the that, that's yeah. the the best compliment I can give you. It doesn't matter who. The, the other matchup can be way better if Ray's talking about that other game. That's the one I'm watching. Uh, thank you much, Gary. I, uh, I appreciate it, man. And I hope I hope you guys get off to a fabulous start, and um, that the rest of the summer goes smoothly for you and your family, and you get schools organized and all that stuff, and you guys hit the ground running in September. But thanks for your time, and uh, we'll run into you somewhere down the road for sure. Yeah, we'll try to get you back on too, Gary. Thank you very much. Okay, great. See you, fellas. All thank right. you. Well, Ray. Uh, Gary really, really ended it with a high note for you right there. But I mean, I, that's why I, that's why I practically had to beg you to do this podcast. Well, I, uh, I think I, you know, I, I love, 
I love covering the league. There are times that are it's so frustrating, and I wish it was just a little bit better. Yeah. Um, you know, but because I think it always can be, no matter where you are, it can always be a little better. Um, but I, I love what I do, and I love working at it, and I love trying to learn. And like I thought that stuff, like the the image I was having of the, you know, the Knights, uh, the Golden Knights selecting their players, and mm-hmm. you know having one screen with the player, another screen with his contract, another screen with their analytics, yeah. proprietary information. Like, right. that's really cool to me. Absolutely. And I'm like, man, yeah. that's, that's really neat. Yeah, I agree. That, 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 that was part was cool, Gary, giving us a little bit of an insight to that. Um, all right, hey, I want to touch on a few things before we wrap this show up. First of all, the awards show, I didn't watch it. I can't stand them. I, I can't stand that award mm-hmm. show. I was following it on Twitter, though, and, uh, and all that. But um, So... And you tweeted about this, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, two people left Eric Carlson off the Norris vote. Uh, somebody left Sidney Crosby off the Hart vote. Uh, I don't care that Burns won over Eric Carlson. Sure, that's cool. Um, and Connor McDavid won the Hart over Sidney. Sure, whatever, that's fine. But these guys, you can't, you can't vote and leave these guys off. You can't. You can't. You need to get your membership revoked. Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the procedures are, why the votes aren't public, or why they're not transparent. Um, I don't get why anything has to be done in secrecy. I got, I have no problems talking about who I voted for. I mean, I voted uh, Carlson in front of Burns um, uh, for mm-hmm. for the North. I mean, that's that's just how I voted. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't mean right or wrong, but I have. I have no problem. Like I vote Carlson, Burns, Hedman for the top three. The Calder was Matthews, Line A, Warensky. Lady Bing, I had Tarasenko, Granlin, Matthews. I had Goodrow fifth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Selkie, I had Kessler in front of Bergeron. I had Tortorella for Coach of the Year. I don't care if any anybody asks, I'll I'll yeah. tell them. But I think if if somebody is either ignorant enough that they don't know that Carlson. Is one of the two best defensemen or three best defensemen in the league. However, you want to yeah. say, you know, we'll ca- you know, I think it was unquestionably he was one or two, but we'll spread the net and say sure. he was one of the top three. Well, if they can't see that, then why would they have a vote? Yeah. If if somebody is somebody's left Sidney Crosby off their ballot, he led the league in goals last year. That is that to me is they they don't like Crosby. They're either from a city that doesn't like Pittsburgh uh, in a hockey sense, um, or it's just that you know they they just mm-hmm. hate Crosby, then then you know why why wouldn't why would that guy have a vote? Why can't why shouldn't the votes just be here are the here are the votes and this is how the writers voted? Yep. Or here's how the media voted. I to me it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I I'm proud of the selections I make. I put a few. You know, more than a few minutes of time into trying to figure out which is which, and um, I, I I don't have a problem with it. But I thought I like every year there's a couple that this sort of happens to, and it's it's really just not right. No, it makes it makes the integrity of of the awards um, tainted. It it makes people think that all of these guys don't know what they're doing. When really it's only one or two, but yeah. that's not the, that's not what happens. Yeah, um, the baseball uh, Hall of Famers putting making all the votes public on who voted for who, which is which should be interesting because you know like a guy like Ken Griffey Jr. didn't get uh, uh, unanimous voting 
Um, and, and now we'll find out who didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr. or whatever. And, and I think that's right. great. And, yeah. and then, and then here, here's the other thing. So what it does is it also spurs more discussion because whomever didn't vote for for Griffey Jr. to be in, you know, for a unanimous ballot, somebody will call him. He'll do an yep. interview. Why didn't you vote? Uh, because of this, this, and this. Yep. And the, you know, like, it's just more publicity. I mean, or the guy's going to say, well, I hate Ken Griffey Jr. Well, he's not going to do that because <laughs> right. he's now exposed. And that, that may change the way people vote, only in that you have – greater integrity for some people to cast their ballots. Kadri got a Selkie vote. Got some Selkie votes. I love it. Uh, good for him. Yeah, he was all he right. Had, he had a good year. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Yeah. I don't, again, I don't have a problem with any of that. If if it's if it's out there, mm-hmm. then it's out there. Sure. Right? Like, that. Yeah. that's fine. All right, let's get into some trades um, that happened. Uh, Jordan Eberle for Ryan Strom. Thoughts on that? Um, you know, more than anything, that's a, that's a cap move, Mm -hmm. um, that they, Edmonton obviously had to clear some room. I mean, they got to sign dry uh, as a, you know, he's eligible to be signed as of July 1st, when he goes into a restricted free agency position, Connor McDavid's next year. So between the two of them, you're probably looking at upwards of $16 million. So you've got to clear cap space. You don't have a choice. Yep. So they get a forward who has been inconsistent, yet was drafted fifth overall. He had just 30 points last year, and he makes $3 million less. So I I mean, I, I can see where, you know, it might not seem like enough for Edmonton, but I can also see why Peter Chiarelli made the move. I can see why the Islanders made the move. I mean, they, they need somebody to play with Tavares. Um since Matt Molson left and then Kyle Laposo, they've needed somebody there. And, you know, you can, you can easily picture that Eberle might be more effective in the Eastern Conference than he was in the Western Conference. Yet his numbers in the Western Conference have been pretty terrific, mm-hmm. pretty consistent for his entire career. Um, surprising. R&H might be next at six mil. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, you get to a point where... Oh, Mac T's contracts. Mac T's contracts, three of them. Same deals, right? Seven years, six, six mil? Uh, six years. They yep. were six years, six, 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 six over six yep. for Hall, Everly, and Nugent yep. Hopkins. And, yep. you know, that's... At the time, that was their theory. That was... They said, okay, look, we, we believe in these players, mm-hmm. um, and we want to get them signed. And so that that's what they did. And, you know, it... it in hindsight, you know, it doesn't look like it's worked out so well yeah. for them because, um, you know, they went through a number of tough years until they got McDavid. But every team has you can go you can go through all thirty teams. You can't count Vegas yet, but you can go through all thirty and you can pick out decisions like this that just didn't work. And yep. that you know, that's that's where the gig is never easy. As much as we. Yeah think we could all be GMs. That's where it's not so easy. Yeah, I think Nugent Hopkins has turned into a, a nice player, a good player, but a third-line guy at that rate? Like, well, that's, can't do it, right? See, yeah, and see, the, the problem for me, uh, I, I know Ryan, um, I know him from Vancouver here mm-hmm. where we live, and I've known him since he was about uh, 13 or 14 years old, and um, I think there's more offense to his game. I think he's really become very conservative uh, in the role that he's in, mm-hmm. and 
I, I would encourage him to be uh, more aggressive with the puck. Don't worry about making a turnover quite so often. Right. Like I, I, think he's, I think there's more offense there for him. Uh, Drew in for Sergachev. Now, we've been doing this pod since uh, November, and you've told us about Sergachev over and over and over. You're a fan. He was a Montreal Canadiens uh, top-ranked prospect, the Dean guy. Um, so I can tell over the, over the shows, Ray, that you've been a fan. So what did you think of the move? Well, again, so this comes on the you know on the forefront of the uh, of the expansion draft, but also because Tampa's running into again Damn. some cap problems, <laughs> right. and so they've got to sign Palat, and they've got to sign Tyler Johnson um, this summer, and they had to sign Drouin, and there just wasn't enough room. So Drouin is the one that brings back the highest return. And that's uh, a player that they did not have to protect mm-hmm. in Sergachev um, because he's still he's yep. finishing his junior career. Somebody who is probably ready to play in the NHL next year. And now you look at a, a Tampa defense that has Hedman and um, uh, Strollman. Strollman, yep. And now you add Sergachev. They like Jake Dochin. Um, all of a sudden, you're like wow, they're starting to build a really good defense there that they can afford. Mm -hmm. And so there's many layers to it. Now, for Montreal, they get a a French-Canadian born um, who will be extremely popular in Montreal. He'll be the most popular player on the team the second he gets there. Yeah. And... You know, and that's with Carey Price and Max Pacioretty there. But this is like bringing one of your own home, is what it feels like for Montreal. Now, if they don't get Radulov signed, and and I read yesterday somewhere that, um, you know, his ask was about six million bucks a year for yeah, Drager. Six years. I mean, Drager said that. Yeah, no yeah. chance, no chance, any teams touching that. Like I, so however that negotiation is going to go, I'm I'm not sure. But if you bring Druan in and lose Radulov, you're no further ahead. You know, like they, right. they're going to, you know, it sounds like they're going to trade Galchenyuk. Uh, Montreal has got like a, a moving pieces all over the place. Yeah, but I don't know if it's and good or not. Really know, I don't really see the vision right, right now. Right. Uh, Coyotes part with Shane Doan? It's got to happen. Not surprised. Like, not surprised? No. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it you know, it could have been done differently, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't think too many people would debate that, but it, it um, the time was that you know time's time. You, yep. Nobody nobody wins that race. Yeah, no, exactly right. Uh, and oh, and uh, by the way, this uh, this just over the wire. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks uh, acquire Connor Murphy uh, and Laurent Dauphin from the uh, Arizona Coyotes for Nick Jalmerson. Oh, okay. And so so cap, cap um, move Connor again. Murphy, I know quite well. I played with his dad. Yeah, Larry. Uh, he's a very good player. Uh, Connor is. Um, um, he'll move to the Blackhawks. He's mobile. Um, he fits in a. Wait, where'd you play with Larry Murphy? No, I played with uh, Gord Murphy. Oh, it's Gord Murphy. I thought it was Larry Murphy. Yeah. Oh, Gord Murphy. No. My bad. Larry I played against Gord Murphy's his dad. Carry on. Gord played for years in Philly, and then he ended up in right. Atlanta, where I played okay. with him. And um, uh, he, he's a good player. And so this way, Chicago moves out salary. Um, which is a continuing problem. I mean, yep. blah, 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 yeah, cap, yeah. cap, 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 yeah, right? Yeah. It, it is what it is. And um, so this is one of the first moves of around the draft as we're starting to talk about the Drouin trade, but this is one of the first one in connection um, uh, with the with the timing of the draft. So 
Arizona yesterday, they, you know, Dave Tippett steps away from coaching, gets a $3 million buyout reportedly. Yeah. So now they don't have a coach. Um, no but they're, still, you know, <laughs> they're still making business. You know, the business is, you know, now Joel Emerson's in there. And, um, and so they're, they're, they're trying, you know, they need a goalie. They got to find a center. They got a bunch of draft picks. They got a bunch of prospects. And, you know, yeah. I, we'll see what the weekend brings. Arizona might be very busy. Odd that Andrew Barraway from Phoenix got control of the team. You know, it's complete as far as ownership goes, and I get that. But odd that one of his first moves was getting uh, getting rid of Dave Tippett, which you're totally fine to do, except you just gave Dave Tippett a, a promotion. You know, a year year or so ago. So that's, that's well, odd. Uh, I when we were in Atlanta, um, I I always said that our biggest problem was we had the no plan plan. <laughs> right. And the no plan plan really is that you have a plan, but then you change it. Mm-hmm. And then you have another plan, but you change that one too. And that is, it's like the, the analogy I use, it's like getting into your car and you don't have a destination planned out. So all you do is drive around. <laughs> yeah. You can't get to where you're going because you don't know where that destination is. You don't know what road to take. And that's what a lot of teams do. And that's what it feels like Arizona's doing. You might have had the line of the, uh, of the podcast when you said, I don't think they had that in Atlanta. The, the war room. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't have that kind of information. No. Um, okay. Also, too, Marion Hosa talk about cap relief problems. Um, they're going to put Marion Hosa on uh, on long term injury reserve. Yeah. Um, for an equipment rash. But Ray and I heard you already on your TSN hit. So I don't want you to get mad at me, but I'm in the skeptical camp of this. His salary dropped to one million dollars this year. It sure is convenient. That's all. Well, I, I don't I get mad at the, me. I'm, I'm sure you noticed. No, but I'm sure you noticed that he missed games last year. Uh, yeah, yeah. At some point. So yeah. um, we don't know why he missed games. Um, this stuff is gross. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, it's real. It's real. With, right. Yeah, for sure. It's it's nasty. And so, sure, people can say that um, you know, with no with no information. People can say just what you did, mm-hmm. that, um, hey, I think they're trying to circumvent the cap, and that's why they're doing it. Well, I'm, I guess maybe I, I have more faith that a player that's never had anything spoken about him about other than great character yep. it's probably got uh, a quality of life issue here. And he said, I can't do it anymore. So he's taking medications that are extremely powerful mm-hmm. to keep this rash under control. Or you cannot take the medications, which are probably better for your long-term health, and not play. Yeah. And you've made $100 million or whatever. Whatever, made. yeah. Yeah, massive. You know, so, I don't, Steve, I don't have a problem with this at all. What, what will happen, though, is the Blackhawks still have to be cap compliant because they can't put HOSA on long-term injury until the start of the season, the second day of the season. So they still they don't really get his annual cap savings till October. Mm-hmm. And how many players are available in October? Right. Right, I Not see. Many. Yep, yep, right. Uh, it's a shame. Um, it's a shame, but again, um, you know, he was a great. He's the, a great the, player. The affliction yeah. is different. I mean, that's that's yeah, yeah. that's terrible stuff. But you're not going to beat time, 
and eventually they were going to have to replace Hosa. Now they have to do it quicker. Mm-hmm. But he was still an effective player oh, yeah. last year for them. Yeah, he had a bounce back season last year. Like very, yeah, very good. So now they got to now they got to figure this out too. I mean, the the Blackhawks are you know they feel like a team that's kind of up on the beam a little bit. You know, like they're right. They could go either way. They you know could they be a good team again? Sure. Could they be a really good team? You betcha. Or could they be a bubble team? I could see that too. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um, I thought I felt like um, I don't think it was Stan Bowman. It might have been um, who was the who's the guy that runs it from the Cubs? Uh, uh, John, uh, oh, John McDonough. John McDonough came out after their their sweep and was like very harsh on them for a team that you know is one of the model organizations that won a lot of cups recently. I'm like, okay, yeah, well, he's a he's know. a pretty emotional guy. I yeah, would say. And I'm like, gee, he whiz. was not very happy. Um, and I guess as you know, as the president, he stands boss. Sure, and, yeah. You know, it's his right to yeah. to say that, and but it's it's one thing to say it, but you still got to go out and find the players. And look, they decided as an organization to play to pay Kane and Taves ten point five million dollars each. So there you go, you got twenty one million dollars in yep. in two players, and you got Seabrook at seven million dollars. Yep, and you got they're lucky That's... that they got Duncan Keith at five million bucks for twelve years or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean they're they're lucky that that's the case. Because otherwise, this team would have they would have had to take a wrecking ball to it even more harshly than they have. Elliot Friedman just tweeted out he's hearing a Panarin sod deal in the works. Oh boy, Blackhawks. A Panarin who? Sod. Brandon Sod. Really? Oh, isn't wow. that interesting? Yeah. Gee whiz, they're really they're really changing it up. Yeah. Uh, if that's uh, if that's the case, I mean, I you know Brandon Sod is is certainly a different uh, a different type. Uh, Player than yeah. Panarin, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, before we wrap it up, TSN's Darren Drager said on the Overdrive show yesterday uh, that he heard Connor McDavid's initial ask was fourteen a year, and we've talked about this Ray on our show maybe about three four months ago. Um, you know, and you just touched on the Taze and, and Kane deal at, at ten and a half million. Uh, the salary at 14 is probably the max. I don't, I don't have the number in front yeah, of me. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, so that's probably the max. So that's an initial ask, and who knows where it goes. But, like, this cap system, and Bob Goodenow told everybody this back in the day, like, you can't do that. You, you, I mean, you can. Oilers have to write the check, but you really can't do that uh, to build a proper team, right? That would well, be a shocking But thing. But here's the thing. So if – if McDavid and his camp feel that fourteen million is the number that they have to have, yeah, and you know if you're Edmonton, you're really kind of stuck. You with, have to pay it. Yep. Oh, gee, you got to pay him somewhere around there. Yep. Well, then, if the Oilers fans didn't like the Everly deal, guess what? There's going to be about four more of them. <laughs> right. Because yeah. it doesn't matter to a certain extent. It doesn't matter anymore what you like. It's what you can afford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. it's not you can't even mortgage it. Here's the ceiling. Your head's against the ceiling. That's it. And so, fourteen million for Connor McDavid. Um, you know, let's say say let's say they settle at twelve. Yeah, I don't know why, but let's just say they do. Yep. Say they get Drysaitel at six point five. That's eighteen point five million. You've got Lucic at seven. That's twenty five point five million. Mm-hmm. You've got Cam Talbot coming up for a contract. Ooh, what are you going to do? Jeez. You need a goalie. Yep. You know, like all of a sudden you're $30 million plus and you've got four players signed. Yeah. No, I you know, so, yep. So when you hear drafting and development, it's so you can have. 
players that can be affordable around those gigantic contracts. And but if you're the Oilers, you're like, all right, Connor, here you go, twelve. I mean, no problem. Well, I, I yeah. would say, yeah, but I would say, of course, you're going to counter offer him. Yeah. But I would say, just take a look at um, what you what you see in Chicago, yep. and, and just be ready. And be ready because that's <laughs> it's not that we're threatening anything. Yep. That's reality is if you're making fourteen bones, mm-hmm. then we've got a problem. Yeah. Because we got to pay. We got to we got to fill out a roster. Sydney's at eight point seven million, but I don't remember what he could have gotten when he signed. It's a long time ago, but I well, want to. I don't say, know, but it's one of it's one of the better bargains around. He took a deal, didn't he? He took a real yeah. deal. Um, um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, fourteen is the max. Well, and, and there's and there's the thing. So uh, here's another thing that will you know we'll leave it at this. You know, so he could take a discount, or he could take a discount, $12 million. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, I, I feel like slapping myself in the head. He could take less money. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to pay escrow on top of yep. what, whatever the salary is. So if he takes less money, then he takes less money again because of escrow. Now you go maybe from his $14 million ask closer to $10 million, which is still a crazy amount of money, yep. but... Now, you're now, now over eight years, that's thirty-two million dollars, roughly. Yep. And that's and that's in like, you know, back of mat, napkin math that I just did in my head. It might not quite be thirty-two, but say it's twenty-eight million. Right. Man, crap! That's a lot of money. Yep. Crosby's left millions of dollars, millions, tens of millions of dollars on the table with an eight point seven deal. If Jonathan Taves is making ten point five. Crosby needs to be making more than that, and I don't think there's any debate. No, no, absolutely. And even even Ovi isn't making that much. Um, maybe but now. Here's, you know. I got the best advice when I signed my contract, mm. one of my contracts, uh, from my agent, Steve Bartlett, who is one of the great, great guys in the game. He said, the day you sign your contract, when you sign this, when somebody jumps you in the next year, you know, jumps your salary, yep, yep. I want you to remember how happy you are now. <laughs> and it was great advice. Yeah. Because you can never keep up. That's the the evolution of contracts. Somebody signs, the next guy signs. He's going to go past you. Mm-hmm. Then the next guy signs. He's yep. going to go past that guy. Well, there's no point being pissed off about it. It, no. it is what it is. Yep. Well, especially if you're if you're Sydney and then Malkin signs I think for what? Uh, the oh, signed the same deal. Oh, they did? Okay, I thought Malkin yeah. was a little less. But you're like, "Hey, uh, you know, I, this is what I'm at, but my running mate here, who's nearly as good as me, needs also to take a discount, and Malkin did, you know, and that's that's what you do. You make sure that nobody jumps you, like like McDavid does his deal, and all of a sudden takes a hometown discount, and then Drysaddle's like making more or close, and you're like, wait, I'm on board with right. this team discount deal, and Leon's not, you know. Well, yeah, no, they. Uh, it's one, it's one puzzle that has a thousand pieces in it. And it's, uh, that's why I think I'll just stay right with what I'm doing. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks to Gary Lawless for coming on. Ray, thanks. Thanks again. Interesting times. We'll do one more recapping July 1. You'll be in TSN studio for that. And then we'll do, yeah. we'll do one more show recapping that and then uh, take a little break. Oh, yeah, you'll have a tough time getting a hold of me. Uh, we'll see. i got some ideas I want to run by you. So we'll... Yeah, good for you. <laughs> run them by me. Uh, Paul Pocky Podcast. Send, send me an email. Yeah, exactly right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, thanks, Ray. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon.